1: Behind the Knife, the surgery podcast. Relevant and engaging content designed to help you dominate the day.
0: Hello, Behind the Knife listeners. We are so excited to be back with you for another Journal Club in Colon and Rectal Surgery on local excision for rectal cancer with the Leahy Colorectal Surgery Team. We have another very special guest who's joining us today, and I'm going to introduce him shortly. Uh, and today we're going to tackle some articles central to the discussion on local excision for rectal cancer. So welcome to the team. We have Dr. Peter West, Marcelo, and Dr. Tess Hannah Alette. Hey, team.
2: Hey, guys. Um, great to be back doing another episode. You know, we're just finishing up ski season, although we're getting a little late snow. was not a good season, but... I want to put a plug in if you want a good ski meeting and learn some colorectal go to the midwest colorectal meeting this year in sun valley idaho next year is going to be in squaw valley uh, so in march so look forward to that
0: so that's phenomenal
3: nice nice yeah i'll be at the new england meeting uh yeah well good to see everybody
0: awesome all right well today we have a very special guest who's going to be joining us Uh, i'm honored introduce Dr. Jose Guillem. Dr. Guillem did a surgical training at Columbia Presbyterian Medical Center, followed by his colon and rectal surgery fellowship at Leahy. Woo woo. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Dr. Guillem is the chief of the GI division at UNC and Roscoe Bennett Gray Cowper Distinguished Professor. Prior to joining UNC, Dr. Guillaume was an attending colorectal surgeon at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center, serving as leader in the advancement of oncologic care for patients with colon and rectal cancer. And that's where I was fortunate enough actually to spend a few months training under Dr. Giam uh, And so it brings me great joy to welcome him to the Leahy Behind the Knife crew. Uh, we're thrilled to have a Leahy alumni join us and share his expertise for this session. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. Glad to be here.
2: So, you know, we know uh, Jose or Pepe from his early years at Leahy. And uh, John, why don't we show the next slide? Yeah. Now, look at that (laughs) difference we got going on there. Now, John, why don't you remind me? Let me fix my hair. John, you want to (laughs) remind the listeners?
0: Remind the listeners. So uh, we like to uh, do this with our videos on so you can see our beautiful faces. And with the PowerPoint slides, you can follow along with our talk. So we have a beautiful picture uh, of Dr. Guillaume, probably not too many years ago, I would say. Yeah. Right during, was during his fellowship,
2: fellowship with uh, Thomas Stahl, who was at uh, was at Georgetown, and uh, Phil Fleshner out at uh, Cedar Sinai in California. But the honor is is that uh, Pepe is our first alumni uh, special guest, and I know that Fleschner will be a little upset about that.
0: I'm sure he will. He deserves it. <laughs> All right, All right let's let's dive into the heart of the discussion. So, local excision for rectal cancer, and so these are these can be really difficult cases. Um, you know, in great great discussions at tumor board, um, we have two great articles that we want to review, um, and so we're going to want to uh, start off with a systematic review and meta analysis that was published in Diseases of Colon and Rectal uh, Diseases of Colon and Rectum, uh, comparing local resection with radical resection in the treatment of T1 rectal <laughs> cancer. Uh, and then we're going to discuss the AKZOG Z six zero four one trial: organ preservation for clinical T two and zero distal rectal cancer using neoadjuvant chemoradiation therapy and local excision. Uh, so, Tess, why don't you take it away and get us going with the first study?
3: Thanks, John. So. We've previously talked on uh, other episodes about how the treatment of rectal cancer has evolved. Um, we previously discussed a few articles on a total neoadjuvant or TNT treatment. And so today we're going to be talking now about uh, early rectal cancers and how do we treat them. Uh, I'm going to discuss the local resection compared with radical resection in the treatment of T1N0M0 rectal adenocarcinoma. And why does this matter? We know that the rectum functionally is the powerhouse for providing normal defecation. As Dr. Marcello always says, it's the smart organ. I use that phrase today in clinic. Uh, um, But We know that it provides a really important function. And additionally, when we think about doing a traditional TME and proctectomy, we're performing pelvic dissection where we're injuring, potentially, we risk injuring the nerves and can result in both sexual and genitourinary dysfunction. So for patients with early rectal cancers, do we need to do this? So while local resection has been shown uh, to decrease some of these surgical risks, we're not performing the standard TME. And so with local excision, we're not sampling the nodes. And this raises the question of whether these cancers are being pathologically staged correctly and are they getting the adjuvant treatment that they should. So this was a systematic review, meta-analysis. The aim of the study was to compare local with radical resection for patients with T1 rectal cancer, looking at survival, local recurrence, Post op complications and need for permanent stoma. A systematic review was done looking specifically at local resection using transanal procedures and radical resection. Radical resection referred to abdominal surgery using TME principles. And depending on the location of the tumor, this may have included an LAR, an APR, or a Hartman. Local excision included tr- both transanal excision or excision using transanal endoscopic microsurgery or TEMS. None of the studies included TAMIS. Endoscopic polypectomies were excluded. All of the patients were clinically staged preoperatively and were found to be T1N0M0. There was one randomized control trial, but most of these 12 were observational studies. And none of the studies included or reported on neoadjuvant treatments. There were six that discussed the use of adjuvant treatments. There was one randomized control trial in the study and was underpowered, And a majority of these studies were observational. They did perform subgroup analysis to try and control for some of the heterogeneity of the trials and found that patients undergoing local resection had significantly lower rate of five-year overall survival. There were 72 more deaths per 1,000 patients. And this difference um, was not seen when they broke this, uh, did subgroup analysis and broke it down specifically looking at TEM versus radical resection. They did do regression analysis and showed that if the ratio of lower rectal cancers was the same in each group that there was not a statistically significant difference in the 5-year overall survival. Local resection overall was associated with an increased risk of local recurrence and that did not change with any subgroup analysis. Not unsurprisingly, local resection had a lower perioperative morbidity mortality and need for permanent stoma. There was no difference in survival when they looked at subgroup analysis of low-risk or high-risk local excision and overall higher survival with radical resection. So ultimately, they concluded that local resection versus radical resection depends on balancing the goal of cure and quality of life and function, which may differ for each individual patient. TEM, in their subgroup analysis, offered oncologic control similar to that of radical resection in terms of survival. Without some of the higher morbidity and mortality, but that radical resection overall demonstrated the best five-year survival. So I think overall the quality of evidence was pretty low. And there, you know, was a lot of concern for selection bias in a lot of these studies. There's there a lot of heterogeneity. Heter- um, and I think you know the review is helpful in laying some of the groundwork for our discussion tonight. I think the question of adjuvant therapy on the outcomes is important. And again, because of the Heterogeneity in these studies, um, you know, that wasn't looked at, um, and you know, some limitations there. Uh, Marcela, what what are your thoughts on on this study?
2: Yeah, I think it's a good study to give you some background on things, but I think um, I wanted to give a little historical perspective. So, can we go to the next slide, John? So, I want to focus uh, on the study from the University of Minnesota because um, I just remember that being at the meeting when I trained and when Pepe trained, and he'll give his thoughts. Local excision was thought to be a good option for early stage cancers with high cure rates, uh, very low recurrence rates. We thought it was pretty good. And then at the year, the, the, the national meeting in the year 2000, ASCRS Minnesota presented their results looking at local excision for T1 and T2 cancers versus radical resection. And what they found was that the local recurrence rate was uh, 10% for the local excision and zero for T1 uh, cancers. And for T2 cancers, the local recurrence rate was 25%. And seeing that number of 25% recurrence rates for T2s blew us all away. And then there were further studies uh, from Morris on Kettering where um, Jose was in Cleveland and Mayo. They all confirmed that the local excision has about a 10% recurrence rate at least for T1 cancers and closer to 25% for t 2 so Pepe, what what are your thoughts about uh, this study, and where does local excision lie and uh, its impact?
1: Yeah, great observation, Peter. I mean, I recall this study, and there were several else that followed around that time, and we were quite enthusiastic. But what brought a lot of attention to us was the work I thought by Nancy U. Nancy Baxter and Heidi Nelson. There was a JNCI paper that pointed out that there was an overutilization of local excisions for both T1s and T2s, and that was a national cancer database, and it really showed that there was an inadequate operation, but there was a lag. There had been a lag in the uptake. There was an increase in utilization of it. At the same time, the data didn't support it. So lots of studies, as you pointed out, at, at the end, at Sloan, we looked at this, and in about at 10 years, the failure rate was about one in five, wow. 18, 18%. So one in five, uh, it's a high number. And, and if you're looking at a TME, it's about a 3% failure rate. Total meso excision for a T1 lesion versus a local excision, which is almost 18
2: 20%. why I want you to show the next slide. Uh, uh, Pepe, tell us about this, the, this study from Mayo and how that might impact why local excision may or may not be a good option.
1: Right. So this is a, a great study. Sandy Navatman put this out. David Larson was a fellow author on that. And it took advantage of some of the work that the Japanese have been doing. Uh, prior to this, back in 1993, Kudo first published on the SM level, and this is about three hundred levels of semicosal invasion, one, two, and three. And you can see there on the right side, the likelihood of lymph node metastases increasing with the depth of penetration. And this study also pointed out nicely there were three variables: the the height of the lesion in the rectum, so the lower the down in the rectum, presence of lymphovascular invasion and semi-causal invasion. So these were the three. Uh, statistically significant variables that were associated with a high failure rate with a local excision. So some suggestions that you could measure the SM level, but as we know, the uh, accuracy in measuring SM is not that high, and it's not that trivial. Pathologists will challenge you. They may not be able to tell us accuracy on the SM invasion.
2: Yeah. John, what are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, no, I I, I mean, it's... uh... Speaking about the pathologist, I do feel like that's often a question we ask during our tumor board conferences. It's not, sometimes not reported in the initial report, and we're always sort of asking for it. And I know that they really struggle to provide us with that definitive information. We love to go by this based on the guide and try to provide our best risk assessment for the patient uh, of lymph node metastasis and whether we think local excision is acceptable or whether or not they are going to need further therapy. And, I, and it ends up being a, a very difficult conversation. I think that's where the multidisciplinary uh, aspect really comes in.
2: Tess, uh, being our young grad, have you done any local excisions since you've been in practice?
3: Not yet. Yeah. I have not really found a, a patient that um, really meets the criteria, any uh, early T1, you know, SM1, or I think in my approach probably would be more for a Uh, you know, a lesion that looks potentially um, like a large polyp that I'm performing maybe an excisional biopsy to get better T staging, but I have not yet had any in my
2: practice yet. Don't worry, it'll come. Do I want (laughs) to move on?
0: Yeah. Okay. All right. So um, great, great, great discussion, gang. You know, we'll move on to, you know, our next uh, study that we're going to talk about. So um, this is a paper uh, from Dr. Julio Garcia Aguilar, uh, entitled Organ Preservation for Clinical T2N0 Distal Rectal Cancer Using Neoadjuvant Chemo Radiation Therapy and Local Excision. So, ACAZOG Z6041. And so, up until now, we've really just been talking about local excision for clinical T1NX um, or N0 rectal cancer. So, now we're sort of expanding the possible indication to T2N0. Um, you know, and so what we were just talking about is we're hearing that there's a lot of high risk for local recurrence, right? So 18%, that's pretty high. Inferior survival compared to transabdominal resection. So what if you throw into the mix neoadjuvant treatment? So chemoradiation therapy. Uh, so the aim of this study was to look at both functional and oncologic outcomes of patients who underwent uh, neoadjuvant chemo radiation therapy and local excision with stage 2 N0 rectal cancer. So this is a multi-institution study. So prospective open-label non-randomized study. For inclusion criteria, the tumor had to be clinical T2N0, and and this could be staged by endorectal ultrasound or MRI, more on that topic shortly. Uh, And the tumor had to be less than 4 centimeters, less than 40% of the circumference of the wall, uh, and located within 8 centimeters of the anal verge. Patients had to have an ECOG performance status of at least 2. And they then received long course chemoradiation therapy with capecitabine plus oxaliplatin for five weeks, followed by local excision four to eight weeks after treatment. Uh, local excision could be done by transanal excision or TEM uh, with full thickness excision and one centimeter margins. The primary outcome was three-year disease-free survival, uh, and then they also looked at tumor recurrence and then uh, interactive function and quality of life at one year. Uh, After excision, patients uh, underwent surveillance every four months for the first three years. uh, And then they assessed quality of life during enrollment, uh, prior to treatment, uh, and then one year after uh, excision using a number of validated instruments. And their median follow-up was about uh, 56 months. So 79 patients were eligible and ultimately 77 uh, underwent surgery. Uh, Their power analysis had stated they needed at least 70 patients. Uh, and then there were a total of 72 patients who completed the treatment per protocol. Um, and so they did an intention, additional intention to treat analysis. All right. So when we look at some of the numbers, so their uh, estimated three-year disease-free survival for the intention to treat group was 88%. Uh, per protocol group was about 87%. Uh, the three-year overall survival uh, was 95%. Uh, And the per protocol group was about 96%. uh, 38% of patients underwent uh, transanal endoscopic microsurgery, or TEM, and 62% uh, underwent transanal excision. No difference in survival based on the uh, uh, operative approach. Uh, At the end of the study, 91% of patients had preserved their rectum. So clinical T2N0 being treated and preserving the rectum. Uh, In their study, 4% rate of local recurrence. So you'll pay attention to some of the numbers here, right? So Dr. Guillem before was talking about a 3% local recurrence for T1N0 for a TME, 18% for local excision uh, for a T1. And so in this study, T2N0 combining local excision with chemoradiation therapy, 4% rate of local recurrence. Uh, And then looking at quality of life metrics were stable over a one-year time period. And so they concluded that was uh, adequate for quality of life. So, you know, important takeaways from the study, um, patients tolerated treatment without significant impact to their function or quality of life when you do local excision and radiation therapy. Uh, interestingly, almost half of patients with long-course chemoradiation therapy had a pathologic complete response, uh, which becomes interesting when you talk about uh, non-operative management. You know, and overall survival and disease-free survival are quite comparable and range with, with, with what is reported for T2 cancers undergoing proctectomy. You know, so I it's a relatively short follow-up period at 3 years and so it's certainly possible that uh, local recurrence or survival effects aren't fully captured uh, in that time frame although d- we do believe the majority of local recurrences happen within the first couple of years uh, and overall the authors conclude that this approach is uh, you know can be an alternative to carefully selected patients with clinical T2 and zero rectal cancer so very interested to hear, you know, Dr. Giam, what your thought is about this paper uh, and then how you are approaching clinical T2N0 rectal cancers in your practice in 2023.
1: Yeah, thanks, John. I think it's a great study. Um, as you know, there's a more recent update on this that just came out in an Annals of in 2021. The first author is Lynn. And what they did in that study, which elaborates on this study, is compare this experience with the Dutch rectal trial. So the Dutch, the subset of rectal patients in the Dutch trial that only had TME, and the results are comparable. So uh, disease-free survival and overall survival is comparable whether you get a TME for a T2 or whether you go through preoperative RT and local excision. The problem is that at five years, uh, they've looked back and looked at the quality of life in some of these patients, and a significant number of them will have significant toxicity and morbidity with a preoperative radiation and local excision, somewhere in the order of 70%. And these, as you know, not, are not insignificant. Pain, poor healing at the suture line, skin changes, and, he- and metoplo- hematopological uh, uh, problems. So I think you have to decide personally, you know, what are your results with a TME without the long-term effects of pre preoperation versus preoperative therapy? So I, I prefer, I'll, unless I've got a patient who does not want to go through uh, major abdominal surgery robotically, Laparoscopically or open, if they don't want that and they understand that there's a significant morbidity with a preoperative RT and local excision, I just as soon offer a TME.
2: I think that's uh, interesting, uh, Jose, and I I don't disagree with you. Um, And I also want to shed something we haven't really talked about. Um, You know, and again, more work from the University of Minnesota. So, When the 2000 study came out to show the high uh, rates of local recurrence, what happens to those who fail and develop a local recurrence? Uh, We used to think, no problem. You can go back uh, and and do the same TME you were going to do and they'll get the same outcome. Uh, So this study came out in 2002 with Charlie Friel, uh, the presenting author. Charlie was a Deaconess resident with me, so a shout out to my Deaconess colorectal colleagues. Um, they looked at T1 and T2 cancers that had failed after local excision. They had 29 patients. uh, And the bottom line in the end was the disease disease disease-free survival was 68% uh, with the favorable histology. And so you could only salvage about two-thirds of these patients. So if you fail a local excision, um, there's a one in three chance you may not survive this versus something with, I was a T1 cancer. Which would by TME would have a high rate of survival. Now, granted, this is two thousand uh two thousand and before. So we didn't have MRIs, uh, we didn't have the same uh follow-ups, but it just really shed to light that um if you fail a local excision, you can't guarantee cure by just going in and operating.
1: I would just add one comment to that, Peter. As you know, the salvage rate may is, as you pointed out, but when they're performing these salvage operations often. They're multivisceral. Yes, Explorations, right. pelvic sidewall dissections, need for interoperation therapy. And about one-third are no longer eligible for sphincter preserving options.
2: Yeah, so, so what's interesting is that most of these cases were done by traditional transanal techniques. And then since then there have been a plethora of things. Uh Tess, you want to talk about that?
3: Yeah. Um, you know, at Leahy, it was great because we did a lot of uh local excisions um on multiple platforms. We did transanal, robotic. Uh, TAMIS, TEM, uh, and so I, you know, felt like got a really well-rounded uh, experience using all of these different platforms when trying to tackle some of these local excisions. Uh, Dr. Guillaume, do you have kind of any preferred approach if you're going to do a local excision?
1: Probably transanal endoscopic microsurgery. That's my most experience with that. I like it, its stability. I mean, there is a huge learning curve, I would say, but um definite, you know, phenomenal uh, view. It's at its size lens, so significant magnification. Um, I'm looking forward to the SP once that's approved for this. I think it's going to be a game changer. But the challenges of any transdental excision, as we've discussed, is the inoc- potential for inoculating cancer cells into the mesorectal space, no matter how precise you're going to be. I think these uh, endoscopic, um, whether CM or, or SP, Will yield perhaps better margins, but I'm still concerned about inoculating.
2: John, what what do you? What's your approach?
0: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, um, following my quote unquote big brother in, in clinical practice right here, which is Dave Kleiman. I follow him where, wherever he's trained and, and gone now. And so, um, he's adopted robotic TAMIS. And I would say that that's been my preferred approach right now. Similar to, to tests, I would say I haven't done one for, uh, you know, T1 or T2 rectal cancer so far. They've been, you know, large polyps. Um, you know, I do recall, uh, quite vividly, uh, doing TEM, uh, and fellowship in St. Louis and getting incredibly frustrated with the TEM platform and and having a really difficult time. And so I I definitely hear you, Dr. Guillermo's very challenging learning curve, and I think uh, can be frustrating.
2: Well, if we're going to talk about TEM, uh, Tess, tell us about what it was like you trained at UVM with Peter Cataldo, who's got a phenomenal experience with this. So tell us a little bit about uh, their results.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So at UVM, uh, Cataldo did quite a bit of uh, TEM, and that was um, early on, uh, did a lot of colorectal as an intern uh, and joined him in these cases and really loved it. Um, so shout out to the UVM crew. They, they published a paper in 2017 uh, in DCR, which looked at their experience using TEM for early rectal cancer. They had 92 patients, um, followed them for about five years, um, about half were T1 and 40. T2, and they found pretty similar results to kind of what we had previously discussed. Uh, Three-year disease-specific survival was was high at 98%. uh, Overall survival was about 89% um, and, you know, concluded that in select patient, you know, organ preservation may be appropriate. Didn't you uh, travel up to UVM at some point? To- yeah,
2: Pat, Pat Roberts and I went up to watch Peter back probably in the early 2000s. And uh, I had done a lot of laparoscopy, so I felt pretty comfortable with it. And I do like it, as I'm sure John likes the robotic TAMIS, is that uh, doing TAMS, you can control the entire field, right? You control the the camera and the instruments. When you do TAMUS, you're you like your your elbows are always, you know, you're punching and fighting with the person trying to hold the camera, the camera's over here. I like the autonomy of Thames as my platform. Uh when you do it. So that's my my, I would say my preference at this stage.
0: I think another you know important thing that comes up, and we mentioned it a little bit earlier, um, you know, is how we're staging these, these, these patients. And this is this can be where that conversation in MDT becomes so critical. How do you know it's T1? How do you know it's T2? How do you know that the nodes are negative and nodes are positive? Um, Dr. Gaiman, are are you using indirect ultrasound for any of these patients in terms of preoperative staging or evaluation?
1: No longer. We started with that big time way back, but evolved to MRI. I think the reproducibility, the ability to see it on the screen with your whole DMT is is important. Uh, But I always tell my patients that best we're dealing with about 85% accuracy. If you look at all of the data, old and recent on ultrasound MRI staging, it's at best eighty-five percent. So I tell them fifteen percent chance we may be over or under staging you.
2: Yeah, for me, I, I would say that I, I look at doing a transanal excision really for a definitive T stage, something that's really I do not trust MRI for T zero T one. So I look at local excision uh, for this. I I think the important part is if it's distal you got to make sure you're not going to screw up your margin uh, for radical resection. Right, Jose?
1: Correct. I'd agree. Yeah, sometimes you've got to offer the patient, the reality is you've got a T, we think a T1 lesion. There's a chance it may come back as a T2. And if we've wasted some of that distance with a T1 excision, it's going to be a challenge to do a uh, coloanal. So I have had some patients who said, I understand it. But let's go ahead and do the TME.
2: And sometimes it's come back as a T2. Yeah. John where do you think then local excision falls in your algorithm?
0: Yeah no I I agree I, I would in terms of treating it more as uh more of a diagnostic uh strategy and less for therapeutics. Um and so full thickness full thickness excision given the discussions we were talking about and not in terms of not burning bridges with the colonal, um I I think it's where it's going to be particularly helpful again so far in my practice it has not been for cancers but more for for large polyps um, but i think that's probably where it shakes out
2: yeah. jose is there a group that that if you do a transanal excision on get a good margins that that'll be it what, what is that what kind of cancer is that that just gets a tem excision and then nothing else
1: well, I'm I'm most comfortable if it's an upper lesion, and this is where these transanal endoscopic, whether it's the SP, the XI, or any of the TAMIS approach, you know, the higher the lesion is, the less likelihood of mesorectal lymph node involvement. Uh, I think if they're, you know, well-differentiated, there is no perineural, no perivascular invasion, uh, and it's an in total full thickness excision, and I've got good pathology confirming this, uh, I'm comfortable. Yeah. But, you know, this is a really, you know, shared decision-making, and you've got to look at the patient. It's probably ideal for someone who cannot handle major surgery. Some of these temps I've been able to send home the the same day. I've done some senior gentlemen and on the left the position uh, with a spinal, Um, don't need general anesthesia.
2: For me, it's really it's going to be all those factors plus an SM one. So I do play weight to the SM level of invasion. If it's an SM one, all good features. Then we observe currently in our practice. If they're SM two or SM3, and they don't want radical surgery, then we will add in adjuvant treatment afterwards uh, and observe. And I mm-hmm. and I look forward to being able to go back, John, maybe at some point we can look at that, uh, that group.
0: Well, it's interesting you say that order, because I think that that's probably how we think about it now. When we think about, um, you know, the, that ACASOG study, you know, it was long-course chemor radiation therapy and then local excision. So I guess what is everyone's thoughts about the order of affairs if you're going to include radiation therapy?
2: I think uh, I'll just tell you that my experience was when you do chemo radiation first long course and then do transanal excision, those wounds may take a long time to heal. And if they're low, they are in a lot of discomfort. So I'd rather go the other way around, get the lesion out and then decide.
3: What about if you have, you know, say you do a big excision and then What's kind of your duration of waiting to, to do the uh, adjuvant therapy afterwards? Do you flex them and make sure it's healed or, you know, what do you do?
2: Jose, what do you think? How long would you wait? That's a good question. I probably, yeah,
1: definitely would do a digital rectal and look at the, um, at the site if it's healed. I mean, ideally.
2: It Problem is two, months rate, could... two months at Pardon? least before you start.
1: I wait about a month. Yeah. I mean, I would yeah. see them in clinic in two weeks and assess.
2: Yeah, uh, I, I wait like two months before I let them start, but then they mm-hmm. start.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, we I think maybe for the first time in a long time in this particular recording, we heard the word digital rectal exam, um, which I think is so important when we talk yeah. about these lower T1, T2 lesions. We talk a lot about in clinic, the finger. Yes. It, for those who are watching, Peter's holding up. his. If you're his watching, digit- I got a
2: very long, index. I got a size eight hand and a very long index finger. I can get, you know, 12, 15 centimeters. It's
0: poor patient. Bioprobe. Yeah, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, especially, you know, we're talking about MRI and the anal canal is very, very difficult or just a rectum, you know, endorectal ultrasound, that situation might be better, but I think a good, you know, you know, using good the digital
2: exam, good endoscopic assessment, I think it buys you just as, as much as an MRI for an early stage mm-hmm. lesion in my experience.
0: And Tess, I hope you remember, right. You can use that uh, uh, biopsy forceps as an extension of your finger, right. If you can't reach it, if you don't have those long fingers move around the palate. move around the lesion? Does it move with the wall? Uh, Does it seem fixed? So a couple extra tips there.
3: For my short fingers. Yes. Thank you.
0: Great, Awesome. Great discussions. All right. Well, a great discussion as always. And we really are are quite thankful uh, for Dr. Game for joining us. So let's get to our takeaways. All right, Tess, you're up.
3: All right, so I think uh, my takeaways are, you know, noting the SM level, the LVI, the location and the rectum are key factors for predicting lymph node involvement. And then as we've discussed, just uh, uh, include your patient, discuss functions, cure and shared, de- shared decision making.
0: Awesome. Marcelo's must-knows. All right, the must-knows.
2: I don't care what technique you use uh, of local excision. But uh, the most important is the goal you've got to have negative margins. you've got to do a good resection of the area uh, if you're going to try to achieve uh, a chance of cure. When the primary while the primary goal may be cure and the secondary goal is function, when it means having a colostomy, some patients will uh, alter their plans, and I think you've got to have that good discussion. And remember, if you fail a local excision, you can only salvage about two-thirds.
0: Great. All right. We got for our special guest, Guillaume's guide, hit us. Thank you.
1: Uh, And carefully select the T1 rectal cancers who have good pathological features. And what do we mean by good features? You've heard it several times. These are the well-differentiated, no perineural invasion, no lymphovascular invasion, and an SM1 level of invasion. They have to be ideally located up in the upper rectum and negative margins. Uh, If someone's too ill to tolerate a total mesorectal excision, and they're informed that at 10 years, the failure rate may be one in five. And if they do fail, one-third will require multivisceral resection. Then I think everybody's on the same page, and this is an option. I don't think it's sole therapy for T2 rectal cancers, as has been stated. But in very carefully selected T2s, in whom you pr- pursue preoperative radiation and chemotherapy and then a local excision, I think the oncological results, as we've seen, are good. But I'm concerned about the r- high rate of toxicity. And morbidity about seventy percent in this population. So you got to balance that. What are your personal results versus you know
0: pre-op RT and level decision? Great, John. Wilson. Thank you. Able yeah, Able's approach. approach. <laughs> yeah, so I think it's it's a lot of the same you know comments. I mean, I think um, you know the the goal of those papers is talk about organ preservation, which has become much more of a hot talk- topic when we talk about TNT and watching weight. Um, and so I do think it's something that should be discussed and brought up with patients, even if, uh, you know, don't necessarily think it's the best oncologic uh, approach. Um, you know, I personally would say I have minimal experience, as we talked about, with, you know, local excision, especially for T2s. Um, but I think open to all options, uh, you know, talk about it with the patient. And as um, Dr. game was saying, if they're too ill, that might be the best best strategy. All right. So with that, we're going to wrap up our sixth episode. Uh, So again, if you like diving into the weeds with us, consider joining uh, Sunday evenings for our colorectal surgery virtual education series. Uh, You can also check out our show notes for more details. And we hope to uh, continue to have the privilege to share creative content with you in the future. Uh, If you enjoyed the session, please do take a minute uh, or two out of your hectic day to leave us a review. And as Behind the Knife always says, until the next time, dominate
2: Dominate the the day.